You're listening to the Paleo NP podcast, episode number 16. Welcome to the Paleo NP podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back to another episode of the Paleo NP podcast. I am so excited to have an amazing guest on the podcast this week. I have zero updates or announcements, so we're just going to jump right in. This week, I am talking with Jen Rulon, who I connected with after she was interviewed on Cassie Joy's Fed and Fit podcast, which if you don't listen to that podcast, I will link to that in the show notes. I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a second. But after I heard her interview on Cassie's podcast, I knew that she was someone who I really wanted to connect with. She is an amazing triathlete. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have her on the show is because she's also really passionate about strength training, especially for endurance athletes, which I think is something that really gets ignored, especially for those of us who are more recreational or middle of the pack athletes. Not, not for people who are elite athletes, but definitely those of us who are middle of the pack, we tend to just kind of ignore strength training. We spend a lot of time thinking that if we want to swim, bike, or run faster, we just need to do more swimming, biking, and running. But I just don't hear a lot of people talking about the importance of strength training, so I invited her onto the show. So welcome, Jen. I would love it if you would take a minute to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you're all about, and what you're up to. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Martha. It's great that we've connected, and um, gosh, we've known each other for quite some time now, so I just love social media, and we actually get to t- get to talk. Go old school, great. right? <laughs> so a little bit about me. I am a 13-time Ironman triathlete. In 1989, I was watching the Mark Allen, Dave Scott showdown, and I said to my mom, I'm going to do that Ironman by the time I'm 30. And so 30 was coming up quickly, and so I realized, well, I need to do an Ironman. I've done, you know, I was doing some sprint triathlons, half Ironmans, that type of thing, but I realized if I need to do an Ironman. So if some people don't know what an Ironman is, it's a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, in a marathon run. So I did uh, Ironman Wisconsin in 2002. And then I did, um, I did um, Ironman Brazil in 2004. And I was 84 seconds off from qualifying for that race. So <laughs> I, I kept pursuing that dream. I actually ended up having to take, I ended up taking an eight year sabbatical from Ironman triathlon because I just, there was a lot of things going on. There was, um, you know, I was focusing on my job. I was, uh, I had some miscarriages. I lost my dad. And so the, for the thought of just sitting on a bike for six hours with myself, I didn't even want to imagine doing that. So I had to take a break. And then when, during that eight year sabbatical is when I found strength training. And when I found CrossFit. Yes, I drank the Kool-Aid and was really engaged by it because it was great that I could go in, do a workout, 
be done in an hour and felt a little bit more fit than doing swim, bike and run repeat. And so um, when I started back, um, so then in 2012, I was in Kona um, with my husband and he qualified for Ironman Hawaii. And I realized, oh yeah, that dream that I told my mom that I wanted to do that Ironman, I realized, crap, I got to go back to it. So um, I went back into uh, Ironman in 2013 was my first one back. And then I, but during that time, I, um, I, I was still strength training and I was faster. I was smarter with my training. And so I um, have been very passionate as an athlete to have strength training in my life um, just because I saw a difference um, with my own training in the Ironman world. Now, also, I am a, a triathlon coach. I've been a USA level one certified coach since 2001. I'm a CrossFit coach. I got my master's in kinesiology. So I, you know, there's a lot of different things in, in the educational world about strength training. If you want to get bulky, you don't do cardio. If you want to get fast, you don't do strength training. But I do think there's a little bit of balance, and I hate the word balance, but a little bit of um, structure to have some strength training in the triathlon world to go fast. Now, I will tell you this, I did not do much strength training in 2017 after, um, after the end of, end of June. Um, and I had, cause I was six weeks out from my Ironman and I needed to drop the weight, plain and simple. So, um, and then I did Ironman Mont Tremblant in 2017. And then at that race, I qualified for that Ironman World Championship in Hawaii in 2017. So that's a little blop of, of my life, you know, in like, it's hard because people are like, oh, tell us about your life. And I'm like, or introduce yourself. And I'm like, but I've done so much <laughs> um, in the last 20 years. So anyways, your race resume intimidates me, but I also have a huge, I mean, I know what goes into all of that. So I have a huge yeah. amount of respect for all that you've done. And I think that's great. Thank you. Um, yeah. And as I said, like, I think that strength training is something that doesn't get talked about enough in the world of endurance sports. And I'm definitely guilty of this. I only recently started a strength training routine and I've kind of talked about this on the podcast a little bit, but mm -hmm. I'm like on the fringes of the paleo world when it comes to exercise, because I've never done CrossFit, which uh -huh. is like the paleo thing to do. It is, and, right? <laughs> and I'll be an endurance athlete until the day I die, which is also kind of the opposite of what the pioneers of paleo think, sure. but it works for me. And, and that's what I love. So can you, you talked a little bit about kind of how you came into strength training, but can you talk about why you're so passionate about it and why you think it's important for everyone to make strength yeah. training a part of their workout routine, yeah. whether they're an Ironman athlete or someone who just wants to, you know, be active for the rest of their life? Yeah. The thing with strength training is that I have seen so many results from my athletes of just how they're not injured. They're not, I mean, so let's look at it from the athlete side. Um, I see less injuries. I see them increase their speed because they're, be, they're able to apply more force on the bike 
or more power on the run or a big, a better pull in the water. With strength training, I see, I see the scale go up because you're gaining muscle, but I see the body fat go down. So doing strength training will help decrease body fat as well. And I think a lot of people think that's insane, but it's true. It's absolutely true. And so um, for the athlete world, those are the top three things that I really, um, really see is um, the improvement, um, the bottom drop in the body fat, the, uh, the speed and the power applying more force. And then, um, oh shoot, what else did I say? Oh, speed, you're gaining speed and then dropping the body fat and then um, you know, less injuries. And so what happens is that um, that's for the athlete world. Now for the everyday mom pop person that needs to get strength training, as we age, and I am 46 years old, as we age, our muscles start declining. They start going into an atrophy if you do not use them in the gym and it sucks. Um, I want to say, and I would have to do some research, I want to say like 30 and 30 on, it's starting to decline. I think you're right. I think yeah. I read that recently, that it's like 30 or 35. It's, it's yeah, and I almost soon. said 40, but I, I didn't think it was 40 because I was like, no, I'm already there. And so I think, so we, if you do not utilize those muscles in the gym, I mean, you could have a mom and pop go out and do, um, they could walk, you know, they could do their 10,000 steps, but they have to get in that strength training twice a day, be, or, or excuse me, two to three times a week because they need to build that muscle. And the thing is, is they're, they're not going to get bulky. They just have to start building and maintaining the muscle. And I always tell people, um, I, I, I say this jokingly to my athletes, I was like, you guys, you don't need any face cream or any voodoo water for the fountain of youth. I'm like, it's strength training. It is, I truly feel that strength training is our fountain of youth. I think I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, just in the differences that I've seen in myself, I started strength training after I did a half Ironman in June. And I mean, I live on hills, so it's a, it's a uphill run to and from my house. And wow. the difference I saw in like two weeks of going to strength training twice a week, mm -hmm. running to and from my house was shocking. And I was like, really? That's all I had to do was go right. lift some weights a couple times a week? Um, and you mentioned something too about getting bulky that I've actually talked about from a nutritional standpoint, but I'd love it if you could talk about that from a more physiologic perspective, because I think especially for women, they're like, I don't yeah. want to lift weights because I'm not going to, I don't want to get bulky. And I, my joke is kind of, you have to, if you want to look like a bodybuilder, you have to eat like a bodybuilder. For and sure. That's not feasible for most of us. But can you yeah. talk about that um, just a little bit from a physiologic perspective? Yeah. So if, if an athlete is, if an endurance athlete is going to add strength training to their program, which I highly recommend that they should, you're not going to gain the muscle mass that you would think a bodybuilder would gain because you are not doing specifically bodybuilding sets. You are not sitting there trying to increase in heavy lift and just, and you're not in the gym five, six days a week that some of these bodybuilders are. You're also swimming, biking, and running. And then maybe you're strength training and yoga or something two to three times a week. So what's happening, the exercise physiology is saying, well, what do you want to do? Do you want 
what's the body telling me? The body's telling me to strength train. Okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm gonna get put on a little muscle mass. Oh wait, but you're doing a whole bunch of cardio, 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 cardio. So for you to add muscle mass, you're not gonna get bulky, especially if you're doing the swim, bike, and run. And, and that's, a, and like you said, food-wise, I mean, that's the hugest thing. Like you have to eat, if you wanna gain weight and gain muscle, then you got to eat and you got to lift, you got to lift, you know, five, six days a week. You don't mean need to be doing any cardio. And it's all about, it's, and this is the biggest thing that we talked about in the exercise physiology world. It's all about specificity because if you're a triathlete, you're going to do most of your stuff and it's going to be swim, bike, and run. You're not going to be doing, you know, five lifts a week and then maybe adding some swim, bikes, and run. So for you to put on muscle mass will be very hard. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think a lot of people are eating like three cans of tuna in one sitting, which I've, no. I've, I've seen people do that. And I'm like, oh, that's, oh, that's too much protein. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I also think um, that a lot of people are under the impression that strength training and cardio are two extremely separate things, which if you're trying to finish or even win an Ironman, mm -hmm. obviously you need to do, like you said, both in a very specific way. But in your book, you kind of talk about, um, which I'll actually link to in the show notes, you talk about improving cardiovascular function using strength training. Right. I think it's something that people just don't even think about. They're like, cardio, I got to get on the elliptical or I got to go for a walk and then right. do my strength training. So can you talk about that combination a little bit? Yeah. So I, I think the biggest thing that I think about is that what's the heart? It's a muscle. So no matter what you're doing, you're still getting in the gym elevating that muscle, whether that might be the glute medius, the glute max, the hamstring, or the heart muscle. So you're still elevating your heart rate in the gym. I mean, you're, if you're, let's say you're doing a five by five back squat, that's a good example. Your heart rate is elevated. Is it not as elevated as you are if you're going out and doing a 45 minute run? Probably not. It actually might be a little bit higher honestly, it might like a little spike, but it's, there are going to be spikes of it. So that's the thing about your, yes, you're not going to get crazy results by doing a whole bunch of strength training for, you know, three hours a day and, you know, five days a week, but it's still, the strength training is still building that muscle. And what I'm talking about is heart muscle, glutes, you know, whatever you're doing that day, it's still building it. And then, you know, um, the thing about strength training, it's actually shown to raise HDLs, the good cholesterol. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, I remember reading that. And I think I talk about that in the book. And, um, and then it, it will help for like a sudden heart attack, like the risk of that sudden heart attack, just because you are building a muscle. And I think some people don't think about the heart as a muscle. Agreed. And I think that's an interesting concept too, because I, I mean, I don't know very many cardiologists that would be like, oh, hey, you should go lift weights after you, or, you know, to prevent a heart attack. They're going to tell yeah. you to go walk and, and improve that like aerobic function versus yeah. doing something like lifting weights. But the interesting thing is when I was, I was teaching at Texas A&M San Antonio um, a couple years ago, but that was the biggest thing that on the websites for older people that have had heart attacks, they have started telling them to do strength training. Interesting. Yeah. That's good. I love, to see, so I love to see changes like that. I know. It's like, oh, they're actually changing and not, we're do not the pyramid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they are encouraging heart disease athlete or people to start strength training again. So 
Oh, my dogs are going to bark. Real life. <laughs> it is real life. I'm surprised mine hasn't either. <laughs> so when it comes to the average person who isn't looking to become an Ironman or maybe yeah. not even interested in being a competitive athlete, but like I said, they want to stay in shape and remain active for their life. What kind of like, what should they be doing for strength training? Mm. You know, they just do. Is there something? Burpees! <laughs> Lots and lots of burpees. Good for your heart too, right? <laughs> it is. No, um, that is, I guess that'd be more cardio, wouldn't it? Um, you know, it's such a, you know, it's such a big, big spectrum, you know, to look at. Mm -hmm. So what, what could be helpful? I think when I put together triathlon training programs for triathletes, I look at whole body workout two to three times a day. Why do I keep saying a day? Two to three times a week. So for example, what I would have them do is maybe I would have them do a back squat for the main lift that day. And then I would have them do um, maybe some gymnastics. So maybe a push-up. Okay. So they would alternate back and forth on the squat and the push-up. But then they would go and do a high intensity workout. So then they haven't triggered back, they haven't triggered shoulder, they haven't triggered core, and they haven't triggered hamstrings. So then I think, okay, so let them get, get them doing a high intensity workout or what CrossFit people say is a wad, right? Um, so then maybe it would be a combination of a little bit of cardio. So maybe like a two to 400 meter run or row whatever you have the access to. And then, and then I would say, get a bar and do some maybe deadlifts, you know? And then since they didn't hit shoulders, they could do some push, like after they do the deadlifts, maybe they do 21 deadlifts. Then they come up and they do 21 push presses or, and then 21 sit-ups. And then you could repeat that series, 15, 15, 15, nine, nine, nine. So if you look at that whole workout for the day, it's a full body workout. And then maybe you could do some planks and for the back and stuff like that. You know, that'd be something added on afterwards. So I always tell people, look at the main, main like lifting groups, squats, deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, um, shoulder to overhead movements, which could be a strict press. It could be a push press. But yeah, I think like looking at the main muscle groups of, of, lifting is usually pretty helpful. Um, I think on my blog, I, I think I updated like a top five strength exercises for triathletes, but honestly, it could be for anybody. Um, but it's really looking at those main muscle groups is, is what I would suggest. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I like about doing, I do it like a group class that's mm -hmm. specific for sport conditioning and sport strength, which is awesome because I don't even have to think about it but yeah. um, I know that not everybody has access to that. Right. So speaking of which, um, people I, are definitely under the assumption that they have to go to the gym or have fancy gym equipment in order to have some sort of strength training routine. And I'm big on doing my best with what I've got. And I know that you're kind of the same way. Don't like no perfection here, <laughs> but what about someone who doesn't have access to a gym or doesn't have the resources to build like a killer home gym? What sort of essentials should they have so that they can strength train cheaply at home or even sure. utilizing like playground equipment or whatever? How, what yeah. would you recommend for that? I mean, I think, I think the best thing that I love to do is just doing body weight workouts. And that could be, oh my God, there's so many, you could combine so many. So let's say you do run, 
you do squats, you do sit-ups and push-ups. So there's four movements right there. So you could do a 400 meter run, you could do 10 sit-ups, 10 push-ups, 10 uh, squats, and then repeat that 10 times. That's gonna be, or repeat it five times. You know, you start off really slow. Like let's say you do it five times. And then, so you say, okay, I'm gonna do as many rounds as I can in 10 minutes. The first time you do the, the run, the squats, the push-ups and the sit-ups, let's say you got through four rounds in 10 minutes, you know? So then you retest that again, maybe four weeks later after you've done some lifting and cardio and all that stuff, then you could retest it again and be like, oh, look at that. I got through five, five rounds or I got through five and a half. Like obviously I'm improving. And so there's so many ways to trigger around, trigger those basic body weight workouts. If you go to Google and type in travel workouts or travel wads, it blows up. Like even doing, like I actually have in my training peaks for my athletes that do travel, I actually have travel workouts for them in case they can't do anything at the gym. So body weight stuff is great, but I do think a yoga mat for like sit-ups and planks and all that stuff, I think dumbbells are fantastic, like a couple sets of them, because you could do goblet squats, you could do Romanian deadlifts, you could do strict press, you could do... Um, uh, geez, there's so much dumbbell rows. You can even do bench press. So that, that is really good. So just basic set of dumbbells and, you know, push it a little bit, you know, the, the higher they they get, the more expensive they are. Cause they are generally based off of per pound. But I would say, you know, if you're brand new to lifting, then I would say maybe look at some fives, which is totally fine. And you're going to probably do them and you're gonna be like, okay, that's super easy, but you may be sore the next day. So then maybe look at getting some 10s, 20s, maybe 25s. I even said to my husband, I was like, oh, I think I need to start getting some 30s and 35s. And he's like, oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> like, well, you know, I mean, but I mean, we have a, we have a pretty good setup in, the, in our pain cave. But, um, but I do think a mat, I think dumbbells, I think a kettlebell is great. And I think a box or maybe not a box, but like an old step, like you could go on, um, Craigslist or something that's selling like an old, remember those Reebok steps? Yeah. 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 I mean, but something to step up and step down on, like jump up, jump down or jump up, step down. Um, box jumps are fantastic. Kettlebells. Like I think one of my favorite workouts is, um, um, cause I love running, right? Um, 400 meter run, 10, what is it? 10 kettlebells, 10 box jumps, and then 800 meter run, 20 kettlebells, 20 box jumps, and then um, like a three-fourths of a mile run, 30-30. Oh, man. So, yeah. That sounds it, killer. It sounds killer. <laughs> and sometimes I'll have people, like, I'll start lower to higher, but then you could always start higher to lower, too. So I call it the kangaroo workout. That sounds brutal. Yeah. Box jumps were, that was something that we started doing at the, where I go work out and those were hard. And then mm -hmm. my coach was like, did you know that you're jumping? Jumping is an indication of athletic power. And I was like, oh no, that means that I have to try harder. Cause I, yeah. could, I, I was barely able to get on the smallest box, which I can do now. Yeah. So much of that is mental though. Like a, I was just going to say that. Like, 
there are many times that I've skinned my shins because of that darn box jump. And there, like, there are soft boxes out there. And there was, there's some people that just are not comfortable doing it. So I am okay with them doing a step up, step down. And if you deal with Achilles issues or if you're just re really tender with Achilles, I suggest you jump up, but step, step down. down. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I just had to start really small to prove that I could do it. Yes. And then I was like, okay, I can do this now. Well, and that's but. a prime example. If you're at home, you have, you jump on your curb. Mm -hmm. You could easily jump on the curb. And you, yeah. I mean, you see people and they just are staring at that curb and they're like, I, I know I can do it. I know I can do it. And they're like, they jump on it and it's like success. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you could do curb jumps do some sprints down and back. You know, there's so much stuff you can do. I think That's I have travel wads somewhere on my blog. I'll, tr I'll find that and I can oh, link yeah, that I can people. Find the link. Yep. Um, but I think that you also touched on something that's really important on, and that's simplicity. So like, I think that yeah. people tend to overcomplicate it. Like you need, you know, all of this equipment and all of these complicated workouts to do strength training or to do any kind of workout. And really you don't need that much. I mean, I, mean, yeah. I love body weight workouts too. Yeah. Um, that's what I was doing before I was going to do strength training. But I think that simplicity, simplicity is key here. It is. Especially for someone just starting out. For just starting out. Correct. Can, so shifting gears a little bit, can you talk about why recovery is so important, both with strength training and other types of training? Because I talk about this a lot with food and how paleoing harder won't necessarily get you results faster. Um, and I know it's the same for any type of exercise yeah. that more isn't better and you need time to rest and recover. So can you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, you know, you always hear people say, oh, rest is for, you know, weak people and blah, blah, blah. And it's actually quite opposite. The rest is not only going to help your body, it's going to help your mind. Uh, the rest you will you, your muscles will rebuild with that rest. The neurological system will be like a, like I always call it a control alt delete. Um, the neurological system will get that control alt delete. The muscles will repair itself, especially now here's the thing. If you are an athlete that just go hard, 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 hard constantly, and you are craving for that rest workout, then you're probably doing it right. But if you, I, I sometimes see if people just sort of push through their rest, they keep pushing through, pushing through. To me, they're not working hard enough in that, those five or six days um, during that time. So when, when people complain about having a rest day and I'm like, well, you're not working hard enough then. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah, it's, you know, it's really the rebuilding of the muscle. It's rebuilding of the mind. It's uh, the body repair. It's that con control alt delete with the neuro neuro neurological system. It's your body um, just healing. It's healing. And so many people, I actually was just talking to an athlete um, yesterday and I asked her, I'm like, well, do you take a day off? And she's like, well, my day off is I do like a 30 minute spin and I lift. I'm like, that's not a day off. And she's been injured for the last five weeks. So, um, and I was like, when was your last day off before your injury? And she couldn't remember. That's crazy to me. Yeah. My yeah. 
my, so my training partner and I, we have the same coach. And so we function on a like four week cycle, right? So you get a rest week every fourth week. And yep. we are always That's right. so glad for our rest week. We're like, yes, it's recovery week. Like we don't have to do anything. Yep. And other people are like, oh, I hate rest week. Like, what's wrong? No. What's wrong with you? You're not, yeah. you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. And we yeah, want to sit it, on our butts all week and do nothing. Yeah. yeah. It's great. We, you know, with my athletes, I, so 40 and over is very popular for you. It's, it's all about periodization. Like, right. so two weeks on one week off mm -hmm. is for the masters group, the group. So 40 and over. So yep. That's, it's, that's <laughs> this chick. But, um, but I have actually seen more success when people are not 40 over with that two on mm -hmm. one off. Cause what happens is when I see that third week, I see a lot of the workouts drop off. I see them like not pushing as hard. And so I tell them, I'm like, guys or girls, you need to go hard for these two weeks. And then I promise you, you'll get a uh, return in your investment. That's really interesting because I actually, I, like I'm not, I don't come from a nutritional or from a exercise physiology background. Yeah. I'm a healthcare practitioner. So, but I'm, oh, right. I've been an athlete my whole life. So I, you know, I know about these things, but I was reading somewhere about, you know, you don't, it was kind of a, an aha moment for me. You don't gain your athletic abilities during your workouts. You gain them during your recovery week. That's so and true. that was kind of like, oh, cause so I, and I agree with you. Like, I think that third week I might try two weeks and one week because that third week is usually kind of a struggle fest. And mm -hmm. by the end of it, you're like, really, like, I really don't want to do this. Yeah. But when I, when I learned that, I, I mean, I'm big on, I'm big on rest days. I'd rather take more rest days. My body does better when it's recovered. But when I read, when I read that you don't gain, like you don't get any of your gains from your actual workout. It comes during your recovery. So when you For come sure. back, then you've like recouped all of that and more. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, well that makes perfect sense. And yay for recovery. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. Can you also um, talk about the nutritional component of recovery? Because I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about either, especially if they're an athlete or especially if they're not an athlete. Um, you know, just that you like refueling during recovery week is important because here a lot of people are like, oh, well, I gained weight during training and, you know, that kind of, oh, yeah. that just, people don't think about that their nutrition is part yeah. of their rest yeah. day, their recovery. Did you, so I went on a little rant on uh, Facebook live yesterday. <laughs> I, I missed that. I'll check it out. Check it out. I was in my car and I, and I was out swimming and I, and I tend to think when I'm swimming mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I just, and when I got in my car, I was like, okay, I just need to talk about this. So, you know, as an athlete or anybody, your body is a car you need gasoline. A car needs gasoline to run, to travel. Your body needs fuel to run or travel. And so that fuel is, you know, your food. So then, you know, it's all super basic. We know that, right? But if you're going to put diesel in an unleaded car, you ain't running. And then if you don't fuel your body for the workout for next week or I'm sorry, or tomorrow or whatever, it's still going to affect you. It's still going to be an issue. So, um, when it comes to, and I'm not a nutritionist, so I, I, I don't like to always, but I just talk about what I've known and what I've learned and all that stuff over the years is that, um, 
the body needs food to fuel and to prepare for the next week's workouts and to recover. So, you know, I mean, if you go out and do, and this was a, this was a question in our, um, in one of our tests in school, it was like, <laughs> are donuts bad for you? Oh, and <laughs> that's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. And that's the thing because a lot of people, and you probably get this mm-hmm. is that, Oh, are eggs bad for you? Or is this bad for you? Is this, you know, and it's all in moderation, but here's the thing. After Ironman Florida two years ago, I told myself if I was going to be in the top five, I was going to go up to Austin and get some voodoo donuts. And I ate a donut a day for five days. I have not had a donut since. And so the thing is, is I could afford to eat that. Do I eat that every day? Right. Having a piece of broccoli after Ironman Florida isn't going to do crap for my body because I need calories. I need nutrition, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I answered your question when it came to recovery, but anyways, go ahead. Absolutely. No, I just, I think that it's important for people to hear from kind of even just a different, I talk about this all the time (laughs) Um, from just a different perspective that I think I've even used the diesel and unleaded gas example before um, because it's very valid. I, I talk a lot about nutrition, um, and food quality, which matters to a certain extent, but at the same time, like, you know, eating pizza every day isn't going to help you accomplish almost anything other than it's going to make you, you know, the dopamine in your, you're going to feel really good because you ate the pizza, but your body is going to feel really terrible. So, you know, just making sure that you're getting, that you're fueling your exercise. And I, and, and I'm, you know, I've talked about, this is like totally for its own episode, low carb, you know, is low carb good? You should, you be eating keto? Should you be doing this? And I think that that's another that's, topic. Exactly. And that's all a very, what you're doing, the context matters, who you right. are, who, your body and the context of your exercise matters. But I think the big take home message is that if you really, if you're trying to exercise, you need fuel, number one. Yep. And if you are if you want donuts, eat donuts until you don't want donuts anymore right. and then move on. Right. 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 Yeah. And I tell people you have to eat to perform. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, I think that's a company or something, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, you have to eat to perform for me to have the, 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 um, for me to perform what I did for my racing and for leading up to my racing, I was eating. Everybody's like, Oh my God, you're dropping weight. Are you eating? I'm like, I'm, I, yes, I am eating. I, and I can't take in enough. Like I would look at my, my fitness pal and I would do this occasionally. I would go, you know, I'd start loading in my calories of how many, you know, and so I'm at 3,500 and it's like 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, I'm still hungry, you know? So then I take a scoop of peanut butter or whatever it is, you know, and, or, or like Greek yogurt or something like that. But it's just something that I have to eat because I know that I need that for the next day. And I've, I've actually talked about this on a recent episode too, about like, I don't think that like counting macros, good, like total useful tool in some Very. cases, mm-hmm. however, like not necessarily what I would suggest for long-term, but I think it's a useful tool in the sense that when you're doing something, when you're increasing the volume of your activity or you're doing, I used it when I was training for my half yep. Ironman, when you have that huge level of activity and you can't, you can, your brain is no longer 
reliable in telling yes. you, am I hungry because I'm bored or am I hungry because I haven't eaten enough today? Right. That's when it becomes really useful. Yeah. Um, but I also think it teaches you kind of to listen to your body more mm -hmm. and you, then you know when you're, it's 10 o'clock at night and you have to eat, you need, you've got like yeah. 800 more calories to eat. Right. You're saying you're hungry. You are hungry. Yeah. And I think that that's even for somebody who's not performing at a high level athletically, I think that's important to understand how to distinguish those things. And if you have to track your calories for a few days to kind of figure that out, mm -hmm. then, you know, do that and listen to what your body is saying. Because I think we've right. done a lot of, we as a society have done a lot of damage to our, our um, cues, our hunger cues, either, you know, by eating all the time or not eating enough. And mm -hmm. I think it kind of gets hard to distinguish sometimes. Yeah. So. And I think, you know, I think the nice thing that I will usually do, I will usually count if, I will usually do the counting the macros if I feel like I need to drop some weight. Mm -hmm. And, but I will do that off season. Yeah. I will do that off season. Absolutely. And so, because I gorge on off season, it's those dang sugar cookies or whatever <laughs> I like, you know, it's those dang Christmas sugar cookies or those Christmas tree pretzels, you know, like chocolate covered pretzels. Like I'm like, you know, keep eating. It's like, Oh, I just had half of the thing, you know, <laughs> anyways. Um, but yeah, if I need to drop some weight, I will count macros. But I think what um, the counting the macros also teaches you, we are creatures of habit, especially when it comes to nutrition. So it's a lot easier to maybe go and like my go-to a lot when I'm like rushing around is cottage cheese, uh, gluten-free waffle with peanut butter on it. But if I have time, I'd much prefer steel oats, gluten-free steel oats with um, some walnuts, strawberries, and some eggs. Like I would much prefer to eat that than my fast go-to. So it's like, I have to figure out, like I really need to take the time, but we're creatures of habits. I know they're about the same calories, you know, mm -hmm. but I definitely know that that's going to be a quality meal versus my little fast go-to meal. But I think you also, thank you for illustrating another point that I talk about all the time. And we kind of touched on this earlier is that your, you know, the, the quality of your food matters. So right. you're fueling your Ironman performance with things like um, cottage cheese, fruits, vegetables, you know, high quality proteins. You're not eating pizza. Yes, you probably eat pizza, but like you're not eating pizza all day, every day no. and expecting to have this high level of performance, right. which is true for high level athletes and it's true for the average person. Like you can't mm -hmm. feel good if you're putting right. junk in your body. Right. You know what I, I will do? I, um, it, it's funny because Chris ordered, he wanted, they had a, it was the baseball draft, fantasy baseball draft. And he's like, can you bring us some pizza and beer? And it's like, sure. And so like, it's in the car and I'm like, oh, it smells so good. You know, I drop it off. He's like, you want a piece? I'm like, I want a piece. Yes. But I have to run tomorrow. I, I, no, I can't do it. You know? Um, but something that I will do that I will treat myself is that I, um, after my long runs, usually on a Friday, you will see me at five guys mm. and I will do the lettuce wrap mm -hmm. burger with bacon and cheese and, you know, and everything that you could imagine. And then I will get fries because it's like, it's, I just burn, I just burn, you know, however many calories on my 13 mile run. And I'm not running 10 minute miles, you know, these are right. eight thirties, you know, right. so yeah. I'm, I'm burning some calories. So yeah, it's a treat. And 
I'm like, oh, five guys. <laughs> it's a treat, but it's also, it's, it's a functional treat. I mean, it it's serving a purpose. You're, yeah. you're putting gas in your car and you are yeah. not putting diesel in. You're putting maybe some lower quality unleaded fuel, but like exactly. it's, still, it's still appropriate fuel. <laughs> right, right. You got the cheap exactly. gas, but it's still- I got the cheap gas. It's still going to make your car go. <laughs> That's awesome. I got the cheap gas. I know. I know. It works though. It works. Yeah. yeah. So, and I know um, this hits a little close to home because you are working on coming back from an injury, um, yeah. but talk, can we talk a little bit about recovery from injuries and injury prevention? So yeah. like, how do you know the difference between pushing through, like when that's okay or when you just need to chill the F out and rest? Yeah. Because um, I think that's also hard for people, kind of the same with the rest day and the recovery week, like people just want to go, go, go. Mm-hmm. But if you ignore all of those little things that are saying, maybe you should take a break, yeah. you could end your career or you could end your, end your, you know, doing something that you love. And that's exactly what sort of happened with me. And, uh, you know, uh, and I'll, we'll talk a little bit briefly about this because some people may not know. So I did, you know, I did Kona, um, and then through, and then I got back into training, but I didn't, you know, my coach was giving me workouts. So I was swimming, biking, running. I wasn't on the tri bike. I was just sort of doing whatever, you know, and, um, I was running a lot. I was in the gym. I was strength training a lot. And, um, I just started feeling that, like that weird tightness in the back. I actually wake up Christmas Eve and I was like, Oh, my back is bothering me, but what do I do? I go to a hot yoga or a hot Pilates class. So here's the body and here's the class teaching me that I'm cool, I'm calm, you know, like I'm warmed up because it's a hot, hot, you know, and I'm not blaming them at all, but that was my choice, right? Um, And then I noticed like I was getting this really tightness in my shoulder. I'm like, what is going on? Like something is just off. Long story short, we come home that like before the the January 1st and um, all of a sudden I'm like, I can't move. My back is killing me. So I took a whole week off. I did like therapy. I did ART. I did, you know, chiropractor. I did PT. And then all of a sudden I tried to swim and I couldn't flip turn. I felt a pain from my neck down to my back. And I was like, and I was sitting like this going, mother of pearl, like I need, I need to do something. So even though the signs were there, Christmas Eve, I didn't go to the doctor until January 14, 15th. So that set me back, you know, for a little bit, long story short, I have three bulging discs and people are like, Oh, did that just happen? I'm like, no, that happens. I'm, I'm 46 years old and I've been an athlete my whole life. So that just comes on over time. You know, we don't know when that happened. So I think, I think the biggest thing for people is to, when it comes to injuries is to push, just sort of test the waters, you know, test test you going in to do a squat, you know, test the, the pool, test the water, right? Test the pool, um, you know, do a squat, do the Romanian deadlift, go for a run, like see what triggers it and what doesn't trigger it. So if you realize you're like, okay, when I'm in flexion, it's I'm in major pain. If you're in major pain, you got to go to the doctor, you know, like something's, t- somebody is telling you, you got to stop you know, and you got to go get that done. So I don't know if I answered the question, but the point is, I think 
you are the master of your domain. You control your body. Your coach does not. Your training peaks um, thing that you bought, um, you know, does not control because you shouldn't, you as an athlete should really listen in to what is going on. And I think that's the key to a lot of my successes is that maybe I am, maybe I take a little bit more time than I should, but man, when I do, I come back with a vengeance. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do is they don't take the time like they should. I think that's, I think that's really important. And, and like those, all of those little aches and pains, people are like, oh, it's just, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Healthcare providers are also terrible. I mean, I'm an athlete and a healthcare provider, so I ignore everything. Right. Yes. Right? Like you I are, never go to the doctor. God. Some <laughs> of my, and I love my athletes. I do. But some of my worst athletes are the ones that are healthcare providers. And I'm like, we're bad. You just had surgery. Yep. You were on the bike. Get your boop off the yeah. bike and sit down and you'll be fine, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think the, the key is that you, like, if you like doing something, even if you're not a competitive athlete, if you have any sort of goal, you're never going to meet that goal by pushing through something that right. is incredibly painful. There's a difference between like no pain, no gain in like your workouts and mm -hmm. a different, and, and like you need to stop because something's wrong. Right. Yes. And I think, you know, this is something I was actually talking to somebody on Instagram about, like you have to, as a coach, I will push you. I will push you, push you, push you and push you hard. And if you get into that, oh my God, this sucks. This is uncomfortable. And you stop. That's your choice because I am pushing you to a different level. Now, if you stop because you feel pain or you feel uncomfortableness um, I should say uncomfortable because doing hard intervals on the bike is uncomfortable. You know, I think there's a difference between injury versus suffer fest and you have to know the difference. And that's, that's key right there, I think. And yep. sometimes that's hard, but yep. in, once you injure yourself, it becomes very clear. Once yeah. you've done it once, yes. you know the difference. You know the difference. Yeah. 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 So something else that I talk about on my blog a lot is sleep, um, because I think that we're the kind of society that tends to burn the candle at both ends. And that, <laughs> yeah. And I think that sleep is important for the average person, mm -hmm. but can you talk about why sleep is important if you're exercising or if you're an athlete, even someone who might just be a recreational athlete? Yeah. I mean, it's all, it all stems from recovery and rest those rest days, those rest weeks is all about rebuilding the muscle, taking that control alt delete, you know, just really taking the time to get that quality sleep. And I think that's the key. I think there's so many people that don't get the quality sleep that they should. And um, I've noticed with me over the last, I would say three months is that I am on on, on, on from like 7 a.m. to 11.30. I go do my workouts. I can knock it out. And then between like one and four, I'm just sort of like, la, 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 la. I mean, I work from home. It helps. So, um, so I've realized, and you see that a lot with people, you know, like even in like, they're always going to get that extra cup of coffee or mm -hmm. whatever. I've realized when I don't get that sleep in general, my whole day is shot, you know? And I think 
you know, the person who actually was really good, our um, podcast was uh, Lewis Howes and he interviewed um, Adriana Huffington. Mm-hmm. She's got a book out about sleep and it was a really good podcast. It was a good podcast just based on like, here are the like six things that you need to do to change, to get better sleep. And they were like, you know, turn off the phone, you know, like however many minutes beforehand, like turn off the light, kick the animals out of the bed, like make it cooler, all these things. And it was really, it was like a, it was a really good podcast. And I just, I think she, and then she did a Ted talk, Huffington, she did a Ted talk on um, sleep and the importance of it. So she would probably have better information than I did. I'll find that and I'll link to that. Yeah. Yeah, for me, like if I don't sleep for se- at least seven hours a night, I don't do my workout. Like I, that, I just know that about myself. Uh-huh. Like I can't. It's there's no point. I'll I'd rather take a nap. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my yeah. cutoff and my yeah. little, my gauge. Um, which you know I found out the hard way by doing right. too many workouts when I didn't sleep enough. Yes. So. <laughs> and then shifting gears a little bit, um, talking a little bit more about mindset, um, mm. something that people say to me all the time, especially as I was getting ready to run my first 50 K race, which I did this past fall. Right. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, was that they wish they could do something like that too. And my response to always to them is always that they can, but so many people believe that they can't. And I think the difference there is just in the way that we think about doing hard things, which is obvious to you, people like you and me. Like, right. You just think like, cool, let's do the next hard thing. Um, but not everybody thinks like, like us. Um, right. Because I'm, I'm a pretty average athlete, but someone is like, hey, let's go run this crazy hard 50K for fun. And my response was, it took me a couple of days, but I was like, cool, how do we train for that? Right. And other people are like, no, I can't do that. So why, can you talk a little bit about why mindset is so important, especially when it comes yeah. to athletics and athletes? Yeah. You know, first of all, I think when you hear, and this is what I've observed and I should do a podcast just on this alone on mindset. Um, but I've heard so many people say they can't. And I think a lot of people who say they can't is, is, is truly their fear of failure, truly their fear of failure. So they think, well, why should I even try? I think that's, I think that's an issue for a lot of people saying that they can't. I think another issue is that they just don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to do a 50K. I can tell you that right now. But I say that, oh, heck no, I'm not going to do a 50K. You know, I think people do like the ultra Ironman. I'm like, have fun with that. Or Norseman. My husband wants to do Norseman. He and should come to Alaska and do Alaska Man. Oh gosh, what is it? It's it's an Iron Man, but it's um, I, I'll send you the website. Please it's, do. It's uh, it was an, they, last year was the first year. It was amazing. I mean, really? it was really truly. I've never been so inspired by the people who finished this race. It was I loved every minute of it. Huh. Anyway, off topic. Anyway, but yes, you should, yes. I will send you the link to that. Please send me the link. I th- and so, yeah, I think the biggest thing is that the fear of failure, I think too, people are just lazy. They don't want to do it. You know, they're like, oh, I'm not going to do it. You know? And so admit that, say, you know what? That's just not my cup of tea. I'm, but I'm going to do Zumba for five hours for charity. If that's your cup of tea, then do it. You know? Um, but I think when people as an athlete, when it comes to, oh, I can't run that fast. Oh, I can't run seven forties. Well, interesting because according to your data and the 5K that you just did, 
you could do 740 for eight for an 800. And once people start seeing things and start seeing data and start seeing the work that they're putting in and the success behind it, then they're like, oh, I guess I can start doing that. So the biggest thing that I heard on a podcast a couple, was it, it was last year, um, it was, uh, I talked to Ironman triathletes, Ironman Hawaii triathletes, and um, it, the guy was like, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that's the biggest learning that a lot of athletes need to do. Now, there are some athletes that want to do an Ironman just to finish, and that's totally fine. But you, if you're going to be out there for 16 hours and 59 minutes and 59 seconds, you got to get comfortable of being, because I can guarantee your feet are going to hurt, your nose is going to hurt, your earlobes are going to hit, like just everything is going to hurt, no matter if you're doing a 17-hour Ironman or a 10-hour Ironman everything's going to hurt. So you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And you got to, and I think the biggest thing too, another thing is find out why you're doing what you do. If you hate running, then why are you training for a marathon? That's like, don't do that. Maybe if you love cycling, go check out Leadville, you know, do the Leadville 100 or challenge yourself for that and be like, oh man, that sounds great. I think when people think of um, the mindset, I think, um, I think so many people are in their comfort zone and that's not where the magic happens. The ha magic happens up here. So for sure. Yeah. And I think it's um, funny that you mentioned the 17 hour Ironman. Cause I actually read an article about, and I, I think it was from someone who is a relatively good athlete that they actually have way more respect for the people who take longer oh, because you're out oh. there forever. And it's, it's, I couldn't do it. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to go fast, but it's hard to be out there for 17 hours. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I could do it. Uh, yeah. And, and the, you know, and people are like, well, why aren't you doing Galveston? Your husband's doing Galveston. I'm like, but I got injured, but you're training. And I'm like, yeah, I'm training, but I can't perform at the level I want to perform at. That's yeah. not who I am as an athlete. I'm not there to cross the finish line. Right. And I think the other thing that I, that I actually learned from training from a 50 K was that, like I said, totally average athlete here, but I have never actually thought about how, like, as you get faster, it's still just as hard, right? Yeah. Like I'm working just as hard going 10 minute miles as you are going nine minute or eight thirties. Yeah. It's still, I'm still working hard. Oh. You're still working hard. You're just going faster than me. Yeah. So that was kind of an eye-opening moment for me. Like, cause somebody would said, they were like, well, of course that makes sense. Like you're not training for it to get easier. You're training to go faster. I was sure. like, I guess I never thought of it that way. Yeah. But that was not something that I really thought of until I trained for a 50 K and was running the same, our Tuesday night run was the same four mile loop. Cause it had a lot of Hills and we got faster, mm -hmm. but it still mm -hmm. felt just as hard. Yeah. You're like, well, yeah. that's good that it's faster, but why is it still so hard? It's still hard. It's I mean, you're not hard. going, yeah, you're not going to slow down. You're right. going faster. You get yeah. faster. Yeah. So I think, yeah. and I think that's something that's important for, especially for people who are more on the recreational side of things, like training just to finish, it's still hard. For sure. It's for still sure. hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. even if it, you know, there's people that will walk the marathon, like the San Antonio Rock and Roll Marathon, they'll walk it they'll start, I think an hour before or two hours before or something like, and they'll walk it. They'll walk the marathon, but more power to them. Good for them. But at least they're doing it. They're getting Absolutely. out there and they're trying it. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is that people need to find out what they are passionate about 
and why they're passionate about. Like I, you know, I talked to my mom, I'm like, mom, or and she's 71. You didn't hear that for me. <laughs> um, but she, you know, like, I'm like, mom, you have, I don't know, 35 years to live, you know? So what are you going to do about it? You're, you need to stay fit. She's like, well, I, you know, I go, but don't you want to see your granddaughter graduate college um, or graduate high school, graduate college, maybe get married? You want to see that, like, that's your why. And I think some people just don't know that. And that's what they need to find. Agreed. So as we wrap up here, give me your top two tips for someone who wants to get started with triathlons or endurance sports, or who wants to make that leap into longer distances from where they might be right now. Top two? Okay, you can do three. No, that's okay. I'm totally messing (laughs) with you. First of all, triathlon is an expensive sport. So if you are able to use your mountain, if if you want to do a triathlon and you want to do a sprint or a super sprint, let's say you want to get in and do, I'm going to do one for sprint, then I'm going to do one for Ironman. Okay. Um, so if you want to get into triathlon, doing a triathlon, borrow equipment. You do not have to go out and buy the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Use them. I used a mountain bike for my very first triathlon. I was a lifeguard. Um, so I, I was comfortable swimming. I biked around town on my mountain bike and then I wasn't really good at my runs. So I thought, well, I guess I'll start running. And so I just threw on my Nike Air Pegasus back in the day (laughs) and ran a mile and ran back, you know, like, and so you don't need the finer things in life to start a triathlon. Like you need a bike, borrow a bike, rent a bike. There's so many options you can do. So that would be the one tip is like, don't think you need the cream of the crop. Use what you got. Going back to the whole body weight stuff, right? Yep. Yep. And then um, for Ironman, if you're looking at doing an Ironman um, and you can, once again, it's an expensive sport, but if you can make your Ironman a racecation, I highly recommend it. So I will never do a race that is convenient. I will do a race to have, to enjoy the experience and to enjoy a different area. So, I mean, we did a Coeur d'Alene one year and then afterwards we went over to Glacier National Park and did some hiking. So I just, I think if you have the, the means to do an Ironman, I know there's a lot of races that might be nearby and convenient. And if you, let's say you live in Chattanooga, and you want to do an Ironman, like that's a gorgeous place to do a race by all means do it. But if you're like, I live in the woodlands or I live in wherever, uh, I don't know. I can't think of another race. Cause, um, I have some friends going to Waco. I don't want to go to Waco. No, I don't want to go. I'm no. not doing, I'm not doing the half Ironman that I wanted no. to do this year because I don't have anybody to go to the place that I want to go with. Where Perfect do you want to go? I don't know, but I don't oh. want to go to Waco. No, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I don't want to go to Waco. Yeah. If you can make it a destination, I highly recommend it. I think that's good advice. Why do I go to, I go to Hawaii every year to do the lava man, uh, Olympic distance triathlon because Hawaii in March, when you live in Alaska is perfect. Heck yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hawaii in any time, any time of year. Right. It really is. Yeah. It was, it was hot. I actually am finally getting over my tan lines from October. That's impressive. Kona. All right. All right. 
thank you so much for being here, Jen, and make sure to check out Jen online. I'll be sure to link to all of the places that you can find her in the show notes, which you can find at marthaflorence.com. Jen, thanks again for joining me. This has been so great. Thank and you, everyone else, thanks for listening. And I will see you next week.